Welcome back, everyone, to the channel. Tonight, I am bringing you two horrifying police detective stories about cops who witness things they should not. Things that should not exist, but do. Stay tuned, because it's about to get spooky. If you're new to the channel, subscribe, click on that bell, and smash that thumbs up and tell a friend. I'm a detective working for a small town called Phoenixville. It's never been incredibly busy around here. In fact, I think the most interesting thing to happen around here was a small boy that went missing like two years ago. It turns out he was just hiding from his parents because they wouldn't let him get a toy, little brat. This changed a few weeks back though as a murder happened in one of the houses a few blocks down from my house. The woman wasn't well-liked in the town. She was an eccentric type who kept to herself most of the time. However, when she didn't keep to herself, she was incredibly off-putting and made it seem like she was better than everybody else. I know she didn't like me and I had to arrest her multiple times for making things physical with a few people. Nothing ever came of it, though, as it was purely threats. She was skinny as a stick, and I would assume weaker than one as well. As I stepped into the house, the first thing that hit me was the smell. It was rancid. I picked up one of those cardboard masks just so I didn't have to breathe it in anymore. It helped a bit, but eventually... It became of no use, as the cracks in between went larger the more I walked. The house was filled with random junk. She looked to be a hoarder. Every room had piles of newspapers, old toys, and books. The piles of trash seemed to be sorted, but in a sort of messy way. As well as the clutter, there were scratch marks over the walls, some seemed to be symbols, but others just looked like scratch marks. Some of the symbols had been deliberately scratched out. At the time, I didn't even think of that, and figured it was either her mental health suffering, or maybe there was a scuffle before the murder took place. It didn't seem like a big deal, but now, I understand. I immediately went over to the woman and looked at her nails. They seemed completely fine. A bit short, presumably because she bit them, but other than that, it didn't look like she had created the marks. I tried to look for any other signs of how she was murdered, but the only one I could see was a massive bruise on the back of her head. I wasn't sure whether that had killed her or just knocked her out unconscious. There were no signs of forced entry either so she most likely let the person in. I left the crime scene feeling confused, fatigued, and weirdly dizzy. It was around 2 p.m.-ish, I wanted to say, when I arrived home. I took the rest of the day off work as the dizziness became too much for me to handle. I assumed it had to do with the crime scene. I had never actually seen a dead body before, at least not humans. It may have also been the smell. It seems silly to me now. I laid down on my bed, just trying to get my head straight. I opened my eyes and I saw something dart past. 
It was relatively large, and it moved so fast I saw it for what seemed to be a half a millisecond. My heart started racing as I tried to figure out a rational explanation. Was it all in my head? I suddenly saw all black as if the world dropped beneath me. I woke up rubbing the side of my head as I slowly got up. It hurt like hell. The world around me felt like it was going inwards and outwards. I finally sat up fully and kneeled. I only then realized the blood on the floor. It was pouring out of my nose, however. I couldn't get up as much as I may have wanted to. As the world was moving before my eyes, I could do nothing but sit there. It finally went away again, and as soon as the world stopped spinning, my nosebleed stopped too. However, the loss of blood made me feel lightheaded. I slowly walked back to my room leaning up against the wall of the hallway in order to stabilize myself. I landed on the bed with a hard thump and almost immediately blacked out again. A loud ringing filled my ears. I was standing in the house again. The smell was gone, and in its place, it smelled like mint. The body still lay on the floor, the blood fresh, pouring slowly out, covering the markings on the floor. I stood there, watching the symbol get filled up. It resembled a pentagram. As it finally finished the already somewhat blackened blood, turning into a dark black, it became coagulated. The room became suddenly incredibly bright, blinding almost. Two seconds later, the lights turned off, and then because of the bright light, I couldn't see anything. After a few moments, my vision came back and I saw the black figures standing in front of me. At least eight feet tall, I heard a quiet, raspy whisper. I see you. I answered back with a shaky voice. What's going on? Where am I? The voice continued. You have been chosen to produce my brethren. We need only your blood. At this point, my voice stopped working. I could barely get a squeak out, let alone a word. In a satisfied tone, the figure said, I'm glad you agree. My house came back into view slowly as I felt cold sweat dripping down my body. I called off work for the next three days, shaking in my bed, wondering when I would see the figure next. Every little sound scared me half to death, and I was already close enough. For those three days, I didn't get any sleep, and my head was aching with pain around the back area, and my eyes felt like bags, but I didn't care. The fear had taken control, and I was purely running off of adrenaline. I saw it slowly coming towards me, and even after mentally preparing myself for this moment, I still froze. Nothing could help me at this point. It got to the end of my bed and didn't say anything. The room was quiet. It touched my forehead and I knew everything. It no longer needed to speak. I now knew its goal, and it was beautiful. 
I had to pick the next person, similar to Chainmail. I knew everybody at this point. It was an easy choice. I scratched out the markings on the floor, created symbols around the floor, getting prepared for the ritual. I'm just about to start now. I am only writing this to let you know if you have finished reading this, it's too late. You have already been chosen next. Don't be afraid when you see him. You will soon understand we are all insignificant compared to the plan he showed me, and the one he will soon show you. Goodbye. I'm going to share a few stories with you. One by one, though, because if I'm overwhelmed by them, I have a feeling you kids will be too. I'm Officer Bradley. I retired from the force ten years ago at the ripe age of 50. I'll begin with a story from my 20 years as a police officer that stuck with me like a deep thorn. January 17, 2005 we got a call about a woman who had locked herself in her bathroom. She said her boyfriend was trying to kill her. My partner Mason and I had arrived at the house at the end of the street. The lamp posts flickered yellow, and the wind danced the trees and bushes. The clouds were thick and the air ice cold. We took position at the front door. We knocked. Police, open up! Only the sound of wind chimes. Mason kicked the door open with all the force he could muster. We scanned the house downstairs. No one in sight. Clear. You hear that? I said. Mason looked up at the stairs. Gentle cries. A woman. So subtle. And as if muffled behind a door in a room. Thought she was supposed to be downstairs, said Mason. We made our way upstairs. Ma'am, it's okay, I began. You're safe now. No one's going to hurt you. The cries stopped abruptly, as if someone hit pause. Then it started again. But he's still here, replied the woman from inside the bedroom. My partner and I checked the entire house. No one's here, ma'am. You're safe. Downstairs, the front door slammed shut. My partner and I gave each other a glance, and I could notice his brow sweating despite the cold night. I used my head to gesture for him to take a look. He stood from atop of the stairs and looked down at the front door. Just the wind, I think, he said. Then a gentle voice came from inside the bathroom. Are you sure, Officer Bradley? The woman asked. The entire night at that scene, neither my partner Mason nor I used our names out loud. Not once. Ma'am, do you need our help or not? Mason was agitated. We need to know that you're okay, so step back because I'm kicking it in. A part of me believes Mason was more eager to see the woman's face, to find out who she was and how she knew what she did, 
than he was for her safety. He wanted peace of mind. No, hold on, hold on, I said. She might be sitting right by the door. We don't want to hurt her. Then she said, Officer Bradley, tell Mason that if he touches this door, I will visit his family in the late hours of a certain night and break down a door of my own. The woman's voice was an octave deeper when she said that. I never understood the expression, white as a ghost. Do people actually turn that pale in the face? I learned that they in fact did when I saw my partner react to those sinister words. I couldn't stop him from kicking in that bedroom door this time. But when he did, we found nobody inside. There wasn't a window above the shower through to which to escape, or another door to go through. And yet, we were certain that we had just had a full conversation with the woman behind this door. We scanned the entire house, including the backyard, one last time, inch by inch, and nothing. My partner and I communicated non-verbally the rest of the night. So when it was time to leave... We gave each other a look and then left the house without even looking back. Now, this is the part of the story I haven't told anyone, not even Mason. We were sufficiently disturbed, so I didn't want to tell him what I'm about to tell you. When we left the house, I drove us back to the station that night. He probably thought I didn't notice, but his hands were shaking too much to drive comfortably. He doesn't drink coffee. As I reversed the cruiser out to the street, Mason didn't look back at the house. But the truth is, I did. And I sincerely wish that I hadn't. I looked and squinted at a garage can by the side of the house to see a strange, dark figure kneeling by the gate, as if watching us leave. And as we finally drove away, as the house became more and more distant in our mirror, the figure slowly stood itself up. And I swear, even today, that when it stood up, it didn't stop rising until its head peeked over the roof of that two-story building.